0: Hi there, I'm here with my friend Russell Martin, and we're going to have a, a little chat about kind of football and Russell's uh, philosophy, really. Morning, Russ, how are you?
1: Good morning, Donald, good, thank you, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, you're welcome, you're welcome. I was just seeing, thinking earlier, I think our past, missed across first um, at Rangers, didn't it? That was the first time I met you, just in the passing at Rangers, and then on the pro list. License.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I, was, I was aware of you because I'd, I'd done the A license, but I missed yeah. out on you. So I had to go away yeah. on international duty. So um, I'd, I'd obviously heard bits about you mm. from people who'd done the courses yeah. and been, at the, and obviously various players as well. Yeah. Work with the national team and stuff. So, but yeah, I think so. Just in passing, briefly, in fa- yeah,
0: you. yeah. And um, I thought what would be great for people to talk about just now, based on our conversations just now, is just a little bit about your journey into football, Ras. and then in particular. I think your philosophy, what strikes me about yourself and what really impresses me about you is, is your philosophy to people in general, you know, and how you approach, you know, players and teams and, and culture, you know, developing the culture at any But just before we go on to that, could you tell us just a little bit about your journey into football? Because I know that wasn't a straightforward one either, was it?
1: Yeah, no, it was probably a bit unconventional compared to most people. So... I never played for an academy. Obviously, I was recognised as a good player locally. I pl- always played a year above my age group and stuff. Started really young because so my bro- big brother's a really good player um, and played for Watford all through his youth until 18 and he got, he got released because his mentality really, his mindset, his attitude wasn't very good. Yeah. Um, but I was pushed really hard by my, by my dad to the point where he would drop me off 20 minutes from home and tell me to run home in the pitch black knowing I was petrified and stuff, <laughs> stuff I'd never do with my kids, but yeah. look back at it now and actually probably took quite a lot from it. Probably in the wrong way. It was done the yeah. wrong way. But, um, so yeah, it started off with, and then I, I went to uh, Charlton as a 16 year old on trial. Yeah. Um, Cause I'd been spotted and uh, went there and stayed for quite a while on an extended trial really. Um, but then got released. So then I went, I come back home to Brighton and, um, I timed for Brighton on a non-contract, so they all got scholarships and I didn't because I was quite late to the party. So I'd done pre-season there. Um, Mum and Dad were going for a really, um, uh, quite a bad split up and all that stuff. And I just didn't enjoy it at all and I thought I should. I I was at my hometown club, somewhere I'd wanted to play for forever, um, you know, trying to earn a a scholarship, but just they weren't getting the best out of me and I wasn't getting the best out of of them. So I decided to, to leave there and go back to college. Um, so I, I went to college, done all my A-levels, played for the England colleges team uh, at that point. Um, and then I wrote to every, uh, every football league club, 92 clubs in England, wrote to them all. I'd actually agreed a scholarship in Connecticut to go over there. So I'd done my ACTs and SATs for, I went up to Ipswich at a military college to go and do that and pass oh. those tests. So I'd agreed to go over there and study um, uh, journalism and sports science, four years. Um, and then I said, I, I rung the guy and said, you know, I've wrote to every football league club. I don't think anything will come of it. Uh, but just in case, I might go and trial. And he said, okay, whatever you do, if you go, it'll be good, but don't sign a professional form because then it means you can't come and do your scholarship. And at this point, I had three jobs. I was working cleaning pubs in the morning. I was going to college in the, in the daytime and then working at the spa or the co-op at night. So it was chaos because it was just me and my brother at home. So it was, it was, it was tough. It was hard work. So at that point, I was just looking for an out, really, to try and play football, uh, playing non-league football. And, um, yeah, I got I got two replies. Well, I got three, Swansea, Bristol Rovers and Wickham. Um, and Bristol Rovers and Swansea both said that I was welcome to go up and train and go on trial there. Um, but I was skint at the time. They were too far away. And Wickham, uh, the guy had seen me actually play for England colleges, England schools, and said he would he'd quite like me to go and, uh, on, and train there for a couple of weeks. So I went there for two weeks and ended up, Staying four years and I got offered a professional contract fairly quickly um, and I had to ring um, the guy in Connecticut who wasn't very happy that I was not yeah. taking up the scholarship anymore. But um, yeah, so that was it really. I played non-league football and played men's football quite early and then went from playing college football and six weeks later making my football league debut. So it was, really? it was, yeah, it was crazy working with Tony Adams as a manager and um, taught me to become a professional and, and a man really I had to move, move from home straight away. Um, leave my brothers, who are still obviously living together. Um, so it was a tough period and, and out of all of it, just made me so resilient and, and, also, yeah. and also gave me a taste of the, the real world. You know, yeah. I did have three jobs. I was up at four in the morning cleaning pubs at four in the morning. And so it makes me so grateful for what, for being a footballer, especially since yeah. instance from going from doing that to then all of a sudden playing professional football, these players that I'd heard of. And, and Tony Adams as a manager was incredible.
0: So were you always, that's an incredible story, were you always, you know, so when you came to, when you went to Wickham and you, you had been doing the three jobs, you had been studying as well, were you always aware of the privilege to play professional football or do you think that, or did you have that after and you looked, oh that's a privilege, you know, were you aware of it straight away or
1: well, what I, was, I was aware of the fact that I, it was all I'd wanted to do. I was yeah. desperate to do it, just to taste it. And the yeah. way I saw it was going away to America wasn't going to be easy for me because my family relied on me for a lot, really. Yeah. Um, but it, it was almost, that was my version of professional football. That was me being so grateful to go and get a free education. And the, and the privilege of that was yeah. probably what I thought about more than the football at that time. It was like, I'm going to go and get a free education for four years, a great college, great facilities who knows what's going to happen after that um so that was a huge privilege for me none of my family had ever gone to university or anything like that so and then all of a sudden I wrote to the clubs and didn't really think anything of it like I remember mm. I, well my brother had a bit of handwriting than me so he wrote all the envelopes and I just stuck the stamps on but I remember thinking if anything comes back you know we'll just we'll just kind of see I don't even know if I've got the money to go and stay there and then when I actually got there I was just I think you're right I was blown away with so grateful for that opportunity yeah. doing something that even if it was for four weeks even if it lasted for four weeks that the the privilege of just being there and being in that company and training full time on pitches that I thought I look back now and they weren't great but I thought well Wembley at the time it was yeah. wow going from a college pitch and non-league pitch to, to that so and it's always something that sort of stuck with me really I, yeah. I've always I've always managed to even when you know, football's difficult, you have highs and lows, bad, but I've always maintained, always been able to look back at that time and go, actually, yeah. I'm so lucky to be doing this, get over yourself. You know, like, yeah. this is a real honour and a privilege yeah. to be doing this day in, day out. And I was fortunate to obviously do it for a very long time.
0: Yeah, that's probably And when you're speaking, it reminds me of the story... Um, you know, I speak a lot about goals, and some people get, you know, caught up in the long-term goals and can't stop thinking about it. But don't do the process. You know how you do it. You've done them all. You know it all, and you focused on. And it seems you can feel though, that there's there's a lightness about how you did it. You know, you think, right? I'll, I'll just put the letters away, and something comes back. Something comes back. But it reminds me when you were there. There's a great story you might have heard it, about the Beatles. You know, when they first made their hits. You know, everyone. Or people think, oh, they had a, had a dream of world domination. And if you hear any of their early interviews, their honest ones, they said, we just wanted to make our next best record because we were never sure when it would stop.
1: Yeah, brilliant.
0: You know, and yeah, I, yeah. I think I love that. And that's what I'm keeping you're saying as well, you know, it's just really loving every moment of it. And because you're not sure. That's it for all of us, isn't it? You know, and yeah, what's coming next? Yeah. So...
1: I always I always really looked forward to that to to the chat. I set I set a lot of short term goals very early on and always and I, I had a couple of long term ones that weren't actually based around football, which was probably good. The football I ended up achieving them through football is weird. That was my the vehicle so like I wanted to I wanted, I was my first goal like I set I was I wanted to buy my mum a house. I wanted to buy my mum a house as soon as I could. Um and, and the other one was that I, I wanted to get my coaching licence. So before playing, I wanted to achieve my pro licence before, uh, my A licence before 30, which I just yeah. about squeezed in in the end. So <laughs> I got goals all the way through that, um, that I wanted to achieve in terms of football. And sometimes, I look back at it now, a lot, some of them were really self-limiting. I remember yeah. setting like, certain goal targets or, or, and I'm thinking, why have I done that? I remember we got promoted to the Premier League and I, I said, I wrote down at the start of the season, I looked at it every single day before it, when I woke up before I went to bed, I'm going to play 46, I'm going to play every minute of every game and I'm going to score six goals. And I'm going to get promoted to the Premier League. And it happened. Yeah. And I, got, I got six goals by about February and then didn't score again. I was thinking, why haven't done that? My brain was telling me I was only going to get six goals. So, yeah, I've always been, and I don't know why, it was just something that it, oh. it, it made sense to me to, to set them goals, and, yeah. and, and, but never be. If I didn't achieve it, I've failed so many times, and I've always tried to, the process of learning, I've never thought, if I don't achieve my goal, I say I'll just give that one up, or move on, or you just adjust it, don't you?
0: And I think that's so important for people to, to understand, because you, you're because you doing it, and you're living it, and when people set goals, mostly, I think people, are almost, a lot of people want a guarantee they'll get it. Yeah. Or, or, or I'm not going to go for it, because I'll be really sad if I don't get it, or angry. But that, the point is, you know, the goal sometimes just pulls you into the future, isn't it? It pulls yeah, you in. Exactly,
1: yeah.
0: And you have to be all right sometimes we're not getting it. Doesn't mean it's good, but you have to be all right with that. And I think that's why we love football as well, isn't it? For us all, isn't it? One of the things is you have to be able to play full out with no guarantees. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. exactly. It, it aligns the process for me. If I know yeah. what the goal is, it aligns the process and gives me the best chance of getting it. If I don't get it, I know that I've done everything I can yeah. to, to do it. And the goal's just there. For me, it's kind of used as something to dictate the rest of it. It's not, yeah. the whole thing's not defined by that, but it helps shape everything else. Yeah. Does that make sense? That yeah, probably doesn't yeah. make much sense. But.
0: It does, it does. And I think one of the things, you know, when, when I'm mean, listening to you speaking, Russ, is, again, is your love of education, you know, as. Where did that come from? I know you said you were the first, and you know, in your family, to go to kind of uni or, or do that. Did people say that to you, or did you develop yourself? Did that become, oh, I'm going to education is a really important thing for me?
1: Um, I don't know, really. I always, I love school. I grew up in um, a household with a lot of tension a lot of the time, mm-hmm. so I think it was it was it was quite a good escape for me. I loved reading. No one else in my Family really, my eldest' brother moved out fairly early. he no one else enjoys reading books you know and always always really enjoyed it and I, I loved school so I just thought and two of my brothers didn 't finish school yeah. so that, that, and, and I went to school with and the the teachers found out who my big, one of my big brothers was, and I got written off fairly early, I think. But um, I, I think I overachieved just with purely hard work. And I'm just, I'm just so curious about things. I'm, yeah. I'm probably a nosy geek. I want yeah. if, if I enjoy something, and, and at school it was history and yeah. uh, the obvious PE, but history and, and English and stuff, and learning about these books and the authors and yeah. world wars, and, and I just, once I'm interested in something, I'm really curious and I want to know as much as possible about. It. I don't know where that's come from. I really don't, because it's not like it's been. Drilled into me by family, or um, but I've always been like that. It's a personality trait of mine, and, and I just like um, I like doing the research. I guess I like I like learning, and I like knowledge. And, and, and it's not just about football; it's not about sport. I like I've always enjoyed that.
0: And I think yes, that that you know personality trait or that attitude, the curiosity, that is what really will help you and is helping you really well in coaching, isn't it? Because it's that I notice it. because I know a lot of coaches, and I know a lot of people is. When you can't help yourself, you just look for more. It's like, oh, I wonder what that is, or I wonder. And I think that is vital nowadays because there's so much out there, there's so much you can take in, and there's so much kind of information you wouldn't get before. But then it's having the courage, which you have to go and implement it. You know, so it's not so much, it's, it's easier to get information, but. The speed of where you execute the information is really vital. So you know whether it's in football or in life or within your group as a team. So that comes brings me to the, the question about uh, you know I love this question is is what is your philosophy? What's your philosophy to people and your teams? How is that come? You know what is it you do?
1: So if I, if I if I look at it and, and we went through this process with the with the squad and and as a coach and staff and looking we were looking for the players the squad's values and what they stand for and their key behaviors and all that stuff and and the words that came up connection it was something I, we used constantly yeah. intensity in what we do and and our intent, our approach to it um family was the one the players chose so it's like yeah. for me the most important the most the two most important things in in any from i've been into loads of businesses loads of football clubs read so much about it, about culture, about, and, and, and the two biggest things, are process and people, for me, has to be, and, and the people come first and then the process, and the rest, really, the culture is dictated by those two things, it's, yeah. it's dictated to by people's behaviours and how the leaders they have to run that, they have to drive that, because if I'm asking people to be, oh, I want you to be connected to what we're doing, connected to each other, I want you to be honest with each other, and then I don't live by that, it, yeah. there's no culture, and whenever someone says to me it's about what's a high performing team it is maximized in my opinion it is maximizing potential mm. and that has to be people's potential yeah. because the team can't function unless the people within it are, are performing at the top of their their game so for me and, and people do it differently but I feel I have to be really connected with what I'm doing so I have to be really intense and passionate about so it has to be something I believe in, basically. Yeah. So whether it's any of the businesses I'm in, in interested in or I, involved in outside of football, or if it's the football team that I manage, I have to, be, I have, to have 100% belief in, in what I want to do, what, what I want to implement and what we want to... Uh, the process of doing it. But then after, And then the whole thing then becomes about people. It has yeah. to. So we, we can do 50 hours a week on a training pitch. If there's no connection between me and the players... On a personal level, yeah. for me, I don't, I don't see how that, that functions properly. I don't see how it works. So I it think to be about understanding them and, yeah. and what makes them tick, and then they have to buy into me as well as a, as a as a manager as a leader, otherwise, because they could see. I've worked with people, amazing tacticians, amazing uh, on the grass as coaches, but no, I've not felt any warmful connection. So then automatically, there's a there's a distance. Then yeah. can't quite maximise each other. What we get from each other,
0: I think that is really important. Uh, you know that, and you know the, in the areas I do and work on that connection between thing, people is vital, isn't it? And especially nowadays, because it's that classic saying, isn't it? There's more communication, less conne- you know, and people are people are desperate for connection. You, you can get information everywhere but the connection between you and me me to the guy that's playing beside me me to the the guy that's going to come that's going to kind of look after me if i'm injured everything's connection isn't it
1: yeah 100 percent. i remember the one of the first talks i heard you talk about and you uh, on the pro license actually and one of the first things you brought up was connection i was like yes mm-hmm. this makes this makes sense to me you know yes. it's it's and i think probably the lads have heard it that many times they probably might roll their eyes a little bit everywhere. yeah I talk about it off the pitch and on the pitch as well. You know, it's so yeah. important they're connected on the pitch and what they're doing. They stay together. They stick together regardless. Yeah. Um, but it's probably the, the number one word of, of in the first three months of my management career that's been as what's come out as the most important thing to me. And there's loads of stuff I've written down over the years, and I've had to sort of like you're talking about information yeah. is digesting that information and using it. Otherwise. Yeah. I, because I'm guilty of reading too many books and then going, my head's frazzled going, where did I find that bit of information for, or where can I use that? And then you forget about it and you move yeah. on to the next bit. So I've always written it down. And then, and then when I listened to you talk on the pro license the first time, I was like, yeah, this, this, this mm-hmm. got, and I, I remember coming home we have to yeah. do a, an assignment obviously, yeah. obviously on it. And then I've got a separate book for the stuff that I'd want to take into management. Yeah. And I wrote it down. Massive yeah. in the book about yeah. everything revolves around that. It's almost yeah. done like a yeah, about how it fits into to what I'm doing in terms of the coaching, whether it's man management, whether it's taking a meeting, whether it's the yeah. staff. And it, it, it's so important to me that everything's connected. And that's why I've tried to bring everyone in. And some people have said to me, Oh, your door's a bit up too open as a manager, maybe, and need a bit more distance. But I just couldn't do it that way. Yeah. It's how and it, it takes a lot more energy, I think. Yeah, to try, yeah. yeah, it does. And, and I'm aware of that. I'm, I need to be. It's something I need to be conscious of. um, But I just don't think I could do it any other way because the people, even whether it's the laundry lady or the chef or whatever it is at the football, they're the most important people and they have to feel invested in it. And they give you so much more back then as well.
0: Yeah, I you know I, I totally agree with what you're saying. That's about the connection, and I think one of the hardest things in football and in business as well. I know you're you know you are a businessman as well. And when we speak about connection and building up an among people, is if if someone's only a figures person, it becomes very difficult to measure the value of building the connection at the beginning because it looks like lost time. But what you can't measure is the power of that, that connection of having that team meeting at the beginning, what it stopped in the game three weeks later, because I know you well, and I know what you're going to do next, because you know I'm picking up more of you because we've got a stronger connection. And I think that is measuring, measuring stuff like what we are talking about. Um, you know, it's the emotional intelligence and the people side of things. If someone's just purely linear it, it, it kind of bamboozles them a bit you know yeah. how do
1: i measure that yeah.
0: we've wasted 30 minutes there
1: yeah yeah you know, and-, and and i've been guilty of that i've gone away we've had such long days and i'm going what have we actually what have we actually decided there what have we have we come to a conclusion like what was we've been talking for four hours but then i look back at it and go actually that level of communication and we're just building understanding of each other the whole time some people might go and go, bloody what a waste of time. We actually didn't make a decision on this. Yeah. We're going to sign this player. But actually, for me, we've, you come away with a better understanding of each other and you come away with a, a deeper connection because you've been, you've, it's been honest conversation. Yeah. It's not been guarded. It's been honest. Yeah. It's been open. and There's been some difficult conversation within it as well. Yeah. But at the end of it, and I've had this a few times, but we've had such a long days and I've gone, and then you analyse it. You go, actually, do you know what? That's how I want it. And yeah. some days, and I have to accept some days it's going to be like that. It's not going to be completely, this is what we do at three o'clock. This is what we do at four o'clock. Because it can't be like that if, you're, if it's people. Yeah. If it revolves around yeah. people, it can't. And, and that's where, where it was interesting for me if, when I've done a personality profile interview and I scored yeah. much higher on people and then quite low on the organisation. Yeah. But I do see myself as quite an organised, structured person. But then when yeah. it comes to that, people take over yeah. the, the route, if you like, the timetable. Yeah. Yeah, but, you yeah. know that becomes more important to me that's certain and I realize that is much more important to me than, yeah. than the
0: other stuff yeah. and I think that you know you're speaking there about at the end of the day as well when yeah oh I haven't done that much and you're come home and you're knockered and of course and'm I'm, I'm sure this is definitely true for yourself for us is, is it's because you've given so much of yourself to other people you know in terms of energy and connection yeah. and people will be doing that as well you know yeah. and I heard there's a great there's a there's a great wee clip from last season with Klopp speaking, and in one of the bits he says, "I am the reserve energy tank for my yeah. team." Yeah, you know, that's one of my rules. Yeah,
1: brilliant.
0: Yeah, you know, and I thought it's just spot on.
1: And I'm really conscious of that, and I said that to you last time we spoke. Yeah. About the first person that comes in my door at eight o'clock in the morning or whatever, I need to be this at the same level of energy as someone coming in at eight o'clock at night and saying good night, and, you know, anything else I want them to do or whatever. And I'm, I'm really conscious of that because I don't feel the same the whole day. Of course I you don't. Know. I go up and down energy-wise and emotions-wise because things change so much. There's so much conversation. But I'm really conscious that a person last in my door gets the same as the person first in my door. It's so important because that can have a massive impact on how they feel about the day, yeah. how they feel about... And if, I, if I'm a bit flat and not giving them much energy... Their psyche changes a little bit as well, but oh I'm not sure, you know, so yeah. I'm really conscious of that energy store.
0: And I think that is one of the, not just in football, anything where we're dealing and we're managing or we're leading people. It's that it's such a it's a cliche again, but it's true, it's such a privilege, isn't it, to be able to have that sort of influence on people just through your presence and your energy you can make people or help people feel good about themselves.
1: Oh, it's a huge privilege. Yeah. And it comes, and it's not always an easy privilege. Yeah. That's what, you know, it's, and I've learned probably the last three or four months, I've, the biggest thing I've learned is, is the impact you can have with your words and your body language yeah. and the way you engage with someone. And sometimes, I've, you know, there's been decisions I've made. I want someone to leave feeling a bit, well, oh, I'm not, sh-. you know, you have to make that decision. Sometimes it can't always be nice and fluffy. That's not yes. what we're talking about. We, yeah the connection isn't being nice and, and yeah. oh, it can't be that all the time. Yeah. It's about being honest and it's about, you can sit down with someone if they're having a troubled time. So, so one of my players now, I won't name, but he's really struggling. And the fact that he could pick up the phone to me and say, I'm really struggling with this lack of structure. Uh, there's no certainty of when we're going to go back. I'm isolated on my own. I'm really struggling at the moment. So I've been talking to him loads, but the fact that he, we can, we can do that yeah. means a lot to me. You know, that means a lot because it, it it sort of reinforces to me that this is the most important bit yeah. is the people and it's not always warm, it's not always fluffy, it's yeah. not always nice but it's a huge privilege to be able to, as you said, to have that influence yeah. and to be able to dictate how someone feels, not dictate but influence yeah. how someone yeah. feels about themselves at the end of the day or the end of your conversation. Yeah. You know, and whether that's negative or positive, whether they go come out and go, actually he's right, I do need to improve in that area. Yeah. I do need to improve yeah. not just as a player in certain bits of or they come out and go, oh, well, I was feeling a bit low, but now I'm feeling, yeah, I can take on the world, you know, because I had that yeah. managers, and whether they were doing it consciously or subconsciously, they could, you know, I look at some managers that got the best out of me, they could make me feel two foot tall, and then I, the, next, the next hour they'd say something, and I could run for a brick wall for them, and it yeah. could use that quickly.
0: Yeah, that's incredible, incredible. So... Just to, you know, that's a, some great information and experience, just on that whole people side and the culture, Ross, there. If, if, if there was any messages that you would, you would have for a player moving to the coaching and managing side, you know, based on your experiences, what would, you, what would be your message to anyone making that transition or thinking about making that transition?
1: Um, for me, I think... I've been really fortunate. I think the first thing would be clarify, know your strengths. Mm-hmm. So know, understand what... Be, self-awareness is so important. Yeah. So knowing your strengths, but also knowing your weaknesses, what they are. Um, and, and, and you've got to be yourself, especially mm-hmm. if you're coming just out of playing and going straight into a coaching role or a managing role. If I'd have come out of the dressing room and all of a sudden gone, right, this is it, bang, we're lead. No, No, I don't want to talk to anyone. Can't maintain mm-hmm. eye contact it have been really difficult for me and I don't think the players would have bought into it at all. Right. So you've got to be yourself as well as understanding. Now there is a, it is a different dynamic. There's no doubt about it, it is different. Um, and I've had to be more patient than I probably would have been as a player with, with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, I had real clarity in what I wanted to do and belief in, in how to do it mm-hmm. um, because I've practiced it and I've read and I've learned a lot about it over a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me the, big, the most important thing is about understanding yourself mm. Understand yourself understanding what you're good at what you're not good at and understand how you want to be seen how you yeah. want to, to lead how you want to coach whether it's really um, militant and this is how we're doing it and, mm. or, or it's you're more you're, your strengths lie with your one-to-one stuff and you're maybe you're not even coaching that much on the grass so I know a lot of players that go straight into coaching roles and don't end up coaching much on the grass and they think oh, I'm not yeah. doing much no, no, you can still have a massive role, yeah. massive role in terms of yeah. one-to-one conversations with players yeah. after training, before training, little bit of extras here and there. And I've got a coach who's doing that now. who's coming out of playing. He, did, he didn't really want to be a coach, but yeah. I asked him to help out. He's, he's coming towards the end of his career and he doesn't take much on the grass as a group. He's not comfortable yeah. talking in front of a group yet, but one-to-one stuff, uh, individual training bits are at the end of sessions yeah. or in the afternoons, Phone calls in the evening to check out a player, how he is. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, he's, and he's enjoyed it more than he ever thought he would. So it's about finding a way to contribute. And it's not always going to be your ideal. Yeah. Well, in fact, for sure, <laughs> the first few months, especially, or however long, it's, definitely, it's not always going to be ideal or an ideal scenario. So you have to get used to that really quickly. Um, but I think if you know what you want to do and how you want to do it, in terms of being a coach and helping people, whatever drives you, then you've yeah. got to use that as much yeah. as possible.
0: Brilliant. So that all about there, that emotional intelligence and knowing yourself and, and then your strengths and weaknesses. That's been a great conversation. We could speak all day on that.
1: Yes, so i uh, do waffle on tonight. No,
0: that's not waffle <laughs> at all. It's all just gold, I think, for people as well. And, and you've crammed so much in. you know, that, and, and I think... What I notice about you yourself and, and, and that trait that's so true for successful people in any field is that curiosity. You know, it's that curiosity as a coach or as a person. What else is there? Yeah. What else? Because that's internal. You know, that's that internal. I wonder if I can do this and be willing to try things and fall down and get up and do it again. So that's brilliant. I really appreciate your time, Russ. And we'll speak again soon.
1: Yeah, thanks, Donald. Cheers.